0: And now, here's your host, Steve Noble.
1: Of course, we have uh, all heard the phrase, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And of course, human beings would come up with that because we cherish our our autonomy and we like to make all the rules and make all the judgments. Uh, But is it really, is beauty really in the eye of the beholder? And then what do you do with that? And this is the autonomous world that we live in where, you might like modern art, and I don't. I think it just, you know, I might look at that and go, that's ridiculous. It's a What's the whole point? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really represent anything. And you might go, yeah, well, that's the point. And isn't it amazing? And I go, no, it looks like a fourth grader did it. And then I show you a Rembrandt, and you're like, well, that's kind of boring. There's not really anything exciting about that. The same thing can happen with music. Uh, I'm sure you've experienced that. You have different musical tastes. And perhaps your spouse, or your certainly with your kids, and uh, you tell them that move that music is trash. And they're like, no, it isn't. They don't see it the same way. <clears throat> and our movies, you could look at that. You could look at it in terms of fashion. I'm not talking about uh, issues of what's appropriate. Uh, modesty. We're not talking about that. I just mean this a dress pattern versus that dress pattern. this this way of dressing is beautiful. that way is, is not. Uh, that's an ugly shirt, whatever the case may be. Like, do we have as Christians, and it is Theology Thursday after all, do we have any guidance from the scriptures in terms of defining what is beauty? Does the Bible deal with beauty? And if it does, then how do we take that out into the world? And is that going to affect your daily life in terms of things that uh, maybe you think are beautiful? Mm, God says, hey, Steve, uh, that's not beautiful. <laughs> that's not beautiful. Don't don't cast your gaze upon that. That's actually contradictory. To who I am, so this is a fascinating subject. We've talked about it a little bit in the past, in terms of like movies recently on a Theology Thursday, but today we'll actually uh, go into the, uh, the the world of music as well. Uh, I do not think Paul Overly is with us. He's uh, down at the Department of Instrumental Studies at Bob Jones University, Division of Music, School of Fine Arts and Communication. He has a, a bachelor's degree in orchestral instrument. He has a, a, a master's degree. He's got a doctorate, in music performance. And brass, a fellow brass player. I don't think, I don't think Paul, I've ever had a fellow brass player. You played trombone. I played trumpet, but it's great to have you on here. I appreciate your time. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. So did this, how did you discover the trombone, or did the trombone discover you? Let's start there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So my dad gave me the chance to play when I was like fourth grade, and so everybody played trumpet, I feel like, to myself. <laughs> All of us glory hounds, we wanted to be the trumpet player. I wanted to do something different. And so, uh, yeah, I played the, I, I picked the trombone, but I was so short, yeah, you know, my arms couldn't actually reach all the positions. <laughs> I had to prop the slide in my feet, but no, I, I just picked it because I wanted to be a little different and,
1: Yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, I I will so. tell you this from my a band experience in high school, I was in, uh, my friends couldn't understand what was going on because I was in soccer and track, but I was also in band. And so right. those two, that's like oil and water. Those right. two groups don't mix. But the most, in, some of the most interesting people in our music department, and I think of three specifically, one was a good friend of mine, the most interesting ones in the whole department were trombone players. Now, I don't know. I think that's probably, you probably explained that already, because you were looking to do something different. I'm not, okay. trumpet players, that's so predictable, but trombone, that's a little bit on the outside, which yeah, is cool. Yeah,
0: maybe so. Maybe so.
1: And then how did you uh, end up at Bob Jones? Because that's where you did your first degree, your undergrad.
0: Yeah, yeah. So- um my my dad actually came to Bob Jones uh in the uh early well, i guess late 50s on mm. the GI bill wow. um but i wasn't i wasn't going to come i i had a, a rough teenage group of teenage years and yep. i was uh i made a profession when was a child but um my mom passed away when i was a, a little boy and i mm. just i really struggled yeah and so finally uh, I was struggling so much. My dad said, "You got to go to Bob Jones for a year." And I was an idiot about a lot of things, but <laughs> but I realized, you know, I I I can't live on my own because yeah. it was either go there or, or move out. I think, yeah. and so. So I came down, and that was that was God's gracious hand, because mm. you know, it kept me from doing a lot of things I would have wanted to do.
1: When you first went there, did you go there and start in the music program, or did you migrate right over?
0: I did, yeah. I, I was telling you. I, so I love sports, but I was so little that I, I couldn't really excel, and so I was just better at trombone than other people. Mm. and So I just kept practicing and doing contests and stuff like that, and so when decide to go to college this is what I was this is what I was good at so I decide to study it yeah and 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 bob jones
1: university and a lot of people might not be aware of this has a really a remarkably rigorous and extensive fine arts program
0: yeah it really does it's you know from the very beginning uh, they were just really interested in in uh, promoting that you know, sort of excellence, fine arts excellence. So it was a it was a good opportunity for me. Yeah, like the Lots. first time
1: I visited the campus a couple of years ago and they took me into the performing arts theater and they're like, Oh yeah, you know, this is where we do plays and we do operas. And I'm like, you do yeah. operas here? And they're like, Yeah, we've got opera students and the whole nine. It's it's really amazing. Why is that such a I, I would say that's a significant part of what BJU is all about. But but right. and then we'll talk about this theologically, but just in terms of the jones family and the founders of bju yeah from from your experience there
0: why was it such a big deal for them personally so i think for the founder it was had to it had to do with culture he wanted his he wanted his graduates to to be cultured to be able to interact in a lot of different uh settings yeah. and so um this was high, this was high culture and this is what he wanted them exposed to i don't think he had any I don't feel like he had a deep uh, philosophical or even theological reasons. I think this was just kind of in a sense, a sixth sense with him. This is what we ought to do. Yeah. Well,
1: there's this, the fine arts is a significant part of every culture going back 6,000 years. I mean, I teach world history is one of the classes I teach and we're always talking about cultural accomplishments and cultural uh, contributions to the world, and art and fine art is always a part of it. And that, and there is something about the Imago Dei, the fact that we're made in the image of God, that flows right. out into the fine arts, which we'll unpack, Paul, when we come back. We're coming up on the break. Mm-hmm. So when we come back with Paul uh, Paul Overly, we're going to talk about uh, a Christian view of beauty and, and why should we even care about that? Do we find beauty in the scripture? And, of course, we do. So we'll look at things like in creation itself, the tabernacle, even the priestly garments. Uh, we'll talk about worship. Uh, we'll look at a few passages of Scripture. And then how do we then take that and run that out into the culture, whether we're talking about a trip to the art museum, a trip to the record store, they still have those. Uh, how do we engage the world of fine arts with a Christian perspective? That's what we're talking about today on Theology Thursday. Paul Overly from BJU. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back.
0: I woke up this morning i heard the news i know the
1: pain of a heart welcome back it's steve noble the steve noble show theology thursday as it is every week with our friends at uh, bob jones university bju seminary usually we're with the seminary but occasionally uh, the door opens and we can dip into the talent and the leadership of the of the great uh, professors and teachers at bob jones university that's what we've uh, been blessed to be able to do today. Paul Overly is in the uh, music department there, which is extensive, the division of music. Let's just check out the majors. This will show you a little bit about uh, BJU's appreciation of the fine arts. So composition, keyboard performance, music and church ministries, uh, which has a bunch of sub t- subcategories there. Uh, just a B.A. in music or a B.S. in music, music education, orchestral instrument performance, piano pedagogy, voice performance, which we mentioned opera earlier And you jump over the division of art and design. And this is going to be a part of our conversation in terms of uh, wrestling with the question, what is beautiful? Fashion design, graphic design, interior architecture and design, photography, studio art, visual arts. All these are arenas, which I would uh, encourage all of us as parents and grandparents. If your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter says, hey, I want to go into this area of fine arts. I want to go into music. I want to go into plays. I want to go to Broadway. I want to go to Hollywood. I want to go into the video game industry. I think, unfortunately, a lot of us, uh, you know, grab the garlic and the holy water, and you're thinking, okay, I got a a demonic problem on my hands here. I'm going to lovingly rebuke that thought process. And these are arenas where uh, God's best and brightest need to be in there. In order to glorify God through these very issues themselves— fashion design, music performance, whatever the case may be, and to carry the gospel in there. So don't be so quick to dismiss your son or daughter's interest in the fine arts, and don't be so quick to grab, grab the calculator. If that's the way, like with our guest today, Paul Overly, if Paul, Paul, God made you to be a brass player and specifically a trombone player. I'm going to assume that if you follow him in that adventure that uh, he will provide for you. You look fit. You look healthy. You got a nice shirt on. You have a good job. You have glasses on. I assume that the Lord has provided.
0: He has provided. Yes, he has.
1: Yeah. And so I just wanted to sneak that little, get off my soapbox there for a second. Um,
0: But what are you going to do with that? Yeah. What are you going
1: to do with that? So let's jump into kind of this Christian view of beauty and and why Christians should care. And I guess the the biggest thing we could start
0: with would be creation itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was just thinking about that verse in Job, when the Lord's talking to Job, he says, where were you, Job, when I created the world? And he says, when the the morning stars are singing, he describes his creation as singing and the mountains is singing. And, um, yeah, I mean, all the elements of music, what I deal with are, are there, are there in creation. Um, so, um, yeah. And and to hear that, uh, the morning
1: stars singing, the mountains break forth into singing, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, when, yes, when people see a nice, uh, I guess we these days we call them a cotton candy sunset when the clouds are all kind of lit right. up pink and blue. And and you see this on social media. Christians will put that. Oh, look at God's handiwork. God's such a great painter. So right there, I think our inclination is to understand that beauty uh, comes from the Lord, and certainly uh, in creation, all over the place. And again, whether we're talking about a star-filled sky or a starfish on the beach, I mean, you see right. beauty in all of those things. So obviously, in the who, particular, the
0: and in in the in the majestic, right? You know, yeah, in the
1: small, in the, you know. yeah, it's really built in throughout the system right. that we see it in creation. This one's interesting right. to me: uh, the tabernacle. Most people just kind of skip this part of the Bible. We're like in right. the Old Testament, we're in the law, we're like, how many different ways do I need to talk right. about cubits and length and how you make a pole? And all, uh, But there's a bigger message there, isn't there?
0: I mean, yeah. So I think one of the ways that, that God wanted the children of Israel to understand his glory is is through how he had them design the tabernacle. And it's in two things. First of all, it's really extravagant. We've got mm. this gold over everything. We've got gold things woven into the into the walls, into the hangings, um, but it's also in the um, in the particulars. Okay, this is going to be um, this many cubits, and this is going to be this many cubits. It's also in the in the discipline of it. Mm. In fact, uh, in Ezekiel, you know, Ezekiel is told he's supposed to measure the temple, and he measures all these things, and then he says, "Measure it so that the so that the children of Israel will know their sin." They've, know that they've known they've fallen short of the yeah. exactness of the design. Yeah, it's an amazing thought, really.
1: Hey, you're a quarter inch shy over here, you sinner. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that exactly. sounds ridiculous, yeah. but we are dealing with the God
0: of the universe, yeah. the creator of all yeah. things. Well, what does Romans tell us? We've all sinned and we've mm-hmm. fallen short of yeah. there you go. glory. Sounds yeah, like that's, a measurement. That's, that's an aesthetic term. I mean, he, he could have said holiness or righteousness and all those things would have been true. But he said, we've fallen short of his glory. his glory. And so that tabernacle design is partly, you know, him, you know, uh, an earthly manifestation mm-hmm. of his heavenly glory, I think.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. he's trying to help us get as close to understanding that reality as we can. And, right. and of course, that's the tabernacle. But again, I, I think a lot of us glaze over when we're getting all the uh, sewing instructions for the priestly <laughs> right. garments. Right? You're like, right. what is this? Right. Like, what's the point? But yeah. but when you when you read it carefully, uh, they talk about uh, extravagant,
0: right, right, yeah. I I just th- that verse there in the Exodus, they're commanded to make the priestly garments for beauty mm-hmm. and for glory. Um, they're not commanded like to have okay, have these fabrics wick moisture or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's make
1: sure you use it, a breathable
0: yeah. fabric. Right, right, which would have been probably pretty handy yeah, for them of in their in their context but no for beauty and for glory because the priests were our their representatives mm-hmm. before god and so yeah it's uh for beauty and glory and and i think that's a that's a a wonderful thought it's oh, i and absolutely. actually you can find this all through scripture i mean wait, I, was, I was just reading in isaiah this morning my bible for, you know isaiah 60 arise mm. shine for your light has come, and he talks about you know 61 about beauty for ashes, and uh, talks about you know this all through those chapters. There, there are terms of splendor, yeah, or glory, yeah. Or shine, or beauty. Yeah, it's it's when you look for it, it's it's all through uh, all through scripture, and I,
1: yeah, and and I think literally, uh, it's everywhere. Now, obviously, there are things that are incorporated into when we say everywhere or everything mm-hmm. that are not glorifying to God. But just right. generally, you start and, – and again, people will set aside music because, well, that's man-made. Or they'll set aside fashion or a certain tie or a dress and go, well, that's man-made. That's not really – can't really compare those things to the tabernacle or to priestly garments. Uh, I would argue with that because everybody's playing with the same box of Lego. It's everything that God has created. And then using his creation in a way that glorifies him. And then right. that descriptive fine arts language, like you said, Paul, it's all over the scriptures, glory right. and brilliance and brightness. And, and it, it's, God is, is obviously a fine arts fellow himself. If I could be so casual.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I tell my music students, that he sings, he's, he's, hmm. he actually has revealed himself. He joys over his people with singing Zephaniah says. And, yeah. And,
1: uh, yeah. And, and once so, again, you got some fine arts action going on there right? with all the singing. Um, and
0: right, then just get into the so, book of Revelation.
1: Uh, I'm pretty sure that the city of God doesn't look like Hoboken, Indiana. There's a, Right. Sorry if you're right. from Hoboken, but there's. it's going to be mind boggling. Right. And the description is mind boggling. We're up against the break. Yeah. We're talking to Paul Overly from the music department at BJU. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back. There you go case in point rock and roll band by boston <laughs> like exactly. what's that doing on a that, that was just the bump in music yeah, paul right. talking to paul overly from the yeah, uh bob jones university and the school of fine arts and talking about beauty today and again i'm like I, I doubt that any member of the band boston in the last 40 years has been trying to glorify god but when i re- hear talent and i recognize talent and we were just talking on the break so if you're radio only uh, praise God for radio, but we have kind of a continual conversation sometimes we back up sometimes we go a little deeper on the commercial breaks but that 's only if you 're Facebook live or rumble so that 's the video portion of what we 're doing during the show and and this topic today obviously Paul you and I are are passionate about this you 're trained in this uh, i 've been playing in this arena for my whole life and, and love music and love the fine arts there 's so much here to kind of unpack which I think one of the Hit the pause button on what we're talking about because I want to start diving into how do we make judgments about beauty, whether we're Mm -hmm. talking about music, orchestral music, any kind of music, fine arts, design, clothes, houses, paintings, whatever. Uh, One of the things that I try to encourage at least my own students to do is is take your biblical worldview out for a drive. Get out there in the world and start talking through the things that we encounter in our everyday lives, whether it's. Uh, civics which is one of the classes I teach history what's going on uh, on TikTok for goodness sakes what's happening in a movie theater and and exercise your biblical worldview and I think the world of fine arts is an area where usually we don't do that we kind of like well I like to listen to things but I don't don't need to think so deeply all the time Paul like lighten up a little bit but I I think it just makes it all the more
0: beautiful and all the more meaningful doesn't it or am I just a weirdo oh I you know I think you're right I think that the amount of time that you invest in something, uh, you know, what does Philippians tells us that our knowledge abounds or our love abounds mm. more and more, in not by being an idiot, right? But in all knowledge, in uh, ESV says in depth of insight, mm, our love like for God does, but so will our our love for God's creations, for 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 things that are beautiful, yeah. The more we know, the more we study, the more we learn, the more our love can abound. You know? Yeah, yeah. The uh, so let's take this one out for a
1: drive. So how, how do okay. we how do we make judgments about beauty, whether we're talking about music, yeah. okay. art? You're at the Museum of Modern Art. You're at the Met in New York City, which right. I've been to a couple of times. I love going there. Yeah. But how do we make judgments about whether something's beautiful or not?
0: Well, I, I think the place that we have to start is Philippians four eight. I, I feel like. That's in some ways the the aesthetic. It wraps up those not just aesthetics, not just beauty, but everything. Whatever is true, yeah. honorable, and lovely, and good report, excellent. Um, and and the word whatever is talking would be talking about a wide range of things. Yes. So the the, the, the you know, Apostle Paul is saying you're going to come across all these things. Well, is it true? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is it pure? You think. You think, and the idea of thinking is really of of meditating. Of you know, it's it's spending some time with it. Yeah. So I, I think I think that's where we start as believers, um, and then I think that our judgments get better. We're we're going to find the answers within the individual disciplines as well. So I'm a musician. I I, I can speak a very little bit to art. But I'm a musician, yeah. so I, I study music. I tell my, you know, this is why we study music theory, because it's a way to describe music, you know, a way to talk about it. And we can learn what, what these guys are doing. And the more we listen, the more we study, you know, the better we can, we can make judgments, I think.
1: Now, in the, in the, in the music program there at, at BJU, Paul, are you guys um, m- containing that conversation mostly to orchestral-type music? or do you um, yeah, are we going to talk about jazz we'll talk about the blues we'll talk about rock and roll we'll talk about this that and the other thing
0: um most of our our, our emphasis is classical music sacred music um you know i teach music history so mm-hmm. we you know we we go over um we talk about jazz for yeah. example we talk about the blues uh, and and be- frankly because a lot of that will end up showing up in classical music hmm. too i mean you can't talk about somebody like george gershwin or um even composers like darius mio or others you know there are these influences so yeah um, so we'll talk about it yeah do you find that they
1: will are, are they because again, I mean, we can all have some yeah. disagreements here. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Do, do you find that? Will any of them say, "Well, I mean, there's some there's some secular music I listen to that I actually think is beautiful. It might not be God honoring in its in its lyrics, but in its composition, in its performance, it actually is beautiful." Is there a lot of kind of? I, I don't want to. So, d- so d- debate that, might yeah. be too strong a word, but kind of a vigorous conversation about right. what is and isn't beautiful in music.
0: Well, so. Um. First of all, if if there are lyrics there, there's a reason that the music's there. I mean, those things are never divorced yeah, throughout throughout music. Throughout, in fact, frankly, when when the Bible talks about music, it almost never talks about music just instruments. It's right. almost always a way to um, yeah. To, just, just, and now it'll say you know use the flute, use the lyre, use right. the cymbals.
1: but most of the time it's sing.
0: Yeah. And and most of the music, I mean, we don't have a tradition of just instrumental music. Right. I mean, maybe David was. Play, but maybe David was playing and singing. Right. Yeah. Maybe he was playing songs he already knew. I mean, we don't. They didn't have symphony orchestras. Or, right. You know. So just about all music, um, when Plato and Aristotle talk about music, I mean, they're talking about poetry and music. So, you know. There's a reason that the the music is there. It's usually there to describe the yeah. describe the words. I would I would say this: there is there are things that are beautiful that are not true. In, in, there are things that are well done. Excellent point. That are not true, or they're not good. And so, um, I think there are a number of different judgments we have to make. And I think we should make them. is this is this well done is this is this beautiful mm-hmm. um but but that's a christian never stops there i think in the mm-hmm. I'm, again i'm in the classical music world and there are people who worship beauty for whom beautiful things are an end in itself and that's that's an idol right that's an idol but, right um and so that can, can never be the end so we make judgments and and i think you know some things are more beautiful than other things clearly but we all have to judge. Is this is this true? So, in a yeah. classical music world, this is fascinating. I'm, I'm geeking
1: yeah. out here, so forgive me, everybody. In a classical yeah. music world where we have no, let's let's assume in classical music we have no lyrics, mm-hmm. are some things more beautiful than others just based on the sound itself? Paul, can you sit there and go, yeah, I'm probably not going to play that on the jukebox in heaven, even though there's no lyrics, but there's something about the yeah. music itself that that isn't true. It's not beautiful. It's not lovely. It's verbose. It's evil sounding. Can we kind of go there just
0: with the sound of the music? Yeah. So what I would say is um, I, I, I like to think of judgments. I, uh, Thomas Aquinas had three criteria that he wanted for beautiful things. And um, one of them was the idea of a sort of completeness. Hmm. Everything's there that should be there. Nothing's there that shouldn't be there. Um, and he had the idea of proportion. So everything that's there is in, in the proper proportion. I always like to. I describe my my one son used to love to draw, and when he figured out, you know, he's drawing stick figures when he's a little kid. When he figured out that people had hands, he would draw these stick figures, but with these huge giant hands. hands, right? Right, Got it. <laughs> right. So clearly not in proportion. Um, and then there's this idea of of splendor, hmm. and so there are pieces of music that are maybe less balanced than others. I. I and throughout music or history you're going to find periods where people go overboard it's like it's yeah. so ornate as to be almost meaningless mm. or or so structured as to not communicate a great deal just about always it'll it'll pull back from yeah that. you yeah. know they'll, it'll pull back from the brink so i think there are pieces that are better than others i mean it, you make and you make judgments about that. But then there are also pieces that are just beautiful in different ways, Yeah, you know, whatever, you know, so it's, you know, uh, so uh, yeah. And so we, we enjoy those for, you know, you know what they are. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that thought completeness, proportion and splendor. So for me as a trumpet player, as soon as you said proportion, the first thing that came to my mind was Maynard Ferguson. Uh And I'm like, okay, now you got a, one of the most famous trumpet players in the history of, Modern music. Uh screaming loud center of attention. So the whole right. point of a Maynard Ferguson album or a Maynard Ferguson concert, which I've been to many, is he's front and center and you're gonna hear him over everything. He always had a great band, North State, Texas. He had a lot of jazz guys out of there. Um mm-hmm. uh, but, but you're always gonna get this screaming <laughs> trumpet player. Would I mean, that I mean, be would would that be a violation then like of, of that? It's out of proportion? Or am I or am I am well, I filtering so out the here's,
0: mats? Here's the thing. Do you, so. Then we make choices. Do we want to? I mean, Maina Ferguson is talented. I remember oh. it, listening to Woody Herman band when I was in high school, and yeah. he's the lead trumpet. He's playing everything an octave above the other trumpet. I mean, it's a, it's astonishing. Astonishing. But. I'm not sure it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Hold that thought, uh, yeah. which we just triggered all the trumpet players out there. But yeah. grace and mercy, grace and mercy. Talking to Paul yeah. Overly. This yeah. is Steve Noble on Theology Thursday. We'll be right back.
0: I want something
1: just like this. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now use that, and and, and Paul Overly is with us uh, from the music department down at Bob Jones University, and brought that up in terms of how do we make judge, judgments about beauty. So you start working through that list. Whether we're talking about uh, classical music, which is your specialty, Paul, or we're talking about jazz or blues or uh, music genres from other countries, whether we're talking about pop music. Uh, or we go to the art museum. We go to the mall and we look at clothes. Uh, wherever we can find you, 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 you modern art versus uh, classical art. We've got a bunch of different examples on the screen behind me here in the studio. And and coming back to that list, I think is super helpful as we as we struggle with this question of uh, how do we make judgments about beauty. And I was going to say, uh, should we, uh, since you're a professor, uh, should a, one of our homework lessons? Paul, be that we should listen to music and try to now think of it in terms of like Philippians four, eight, that we should actually work on it. And stop just casually consuming stuff, fine art, but we should actually
0: work on it. I mean, I think that should be our filter for for anything we Great do, word. really. Yeah. Right. For, so we there should never be a time that and that we let our filter down mm-hmm. and just decide, oh, I like this. Um it pleases me or whatever. That um, should always it should always be up, and sadly, it's not always, is it? Right. I mean, that's, no. That's, that's that verse wouldn't be there if <laughs> if, uh, if it didn't need to be. Yeah. Right. if The Philippians were doing that. Right. If know?
1: they were doing it, it wouldn't have been a problem. So yeah. I, I I brought this up right before we finished the break and said, okay, just put it this way: you're gonna you're gonna go through a uh, an old fashioned music store, and you're gonna flip through albums, and your buddy Jesus is with you, your father's with you or you're going to go to the art museum and the North Carolina museum of art is here in the Raleigh area, or even there uh, Bob Jones university has an amazing uh, art collection and you would walk through it. And I was, and I was being binary, which I struggled to be meaning, Hey, Hey Jesus, uh, what do you think of this? These different paintings and these different sculptures and stuff. And he goes, "Uh, this is good. This is good. Satan. This is good. This is good. That's bad. But you brought up something. I really want us to, to make sure we understand. He, he goes, okay, this one's, that one's more beautiful than this one because you were talking about it can be beautiful, but not true. It can be well done, but not honoring. And so there's degrees there, right? Right. So how do you think yeah. that would go if we decided to take a stroll through the Metropolitan Museum of Art in Manhattan with Jesus or through the records
0: section at a store? How would that go with him? I mean, you know, all, all we can do is I mean, Jesus uh God has already given us the directions that we need. So I, I suppose we can do hypotheticals, but you know, we just take we just take his word there and and we just make we make judgments. Um I I'd I like you know, one of one of the authors, uh philosopher Roger Scruton says there are no secondhand judgments of beauty. Whoa. So I can tell you I can tell you something that's beautiful but that doesn't mean if unless you've experienced it for yourself, you right. have not experienced beautiful. It does no good for me to tell you this is beautiful. You have to interact with it. Um, there are no secondhand judgments, and so we we have to we have to interact, and then we have to make the judgments. And um, to the to the degree they fall into these categories, then to that degree we accept them. To the degree they don't we have to reject them. Yeah. And this will be in this will be in every in every piece, you know.
1: So with with your students down at uh the School of Fine Arts and Communication at BJU, specifically there in the d- Division of Music, I, obviously you want to one of the goals would be excellence in uh, music theory, excellence mm-hmm. in performance. Um but what what are some of the other goals just in terms of them Going out into the world as an ambassador of Christ and engaging the world of music, and in this case, classical music. Like, what are the other things you hope that they leave the school with, besides just the
0: ability to be a great trombone player, which is important in and of itself? I mean, you can't you you can't make a living in music unless you're great at it. Mm, that's so a great point. You got to solve that problem first. Yeah. In some ways, <laughs> you know, you're not going to be a professional excel musician. or starve. Well yeah, yeah. Or change no, career. I, my oldest son's a musician, classical musician. He 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 has said to me several times, you know, Christians have more reason to play beautiful music than anybody else. We have a we have a more robust aesthetic hmm. because we have a God who's revealed himself to us this way. So we have more reason to do beautiful things because um for us beauty isn't an end in itself. Yeah. For an idolater, for and sometimes for, you know, for unbelievers, that's the end. But for us, it isn't. For us, beauty points to right. our Creator, and and that's a that's a wonderful thing. And so we can go out with confidence and play beautiful music, and and uh, not worry hmm. in some ways because we're we're pointing to to our God who created us.
1: Yeah, I love that thought in elevating all of that. And if, and of all the people on the planet bought and paid for Christians through the blood of Christ have all the more reason to express Absolutely. beauty and all these different venues uh, because it's just flowing out of your appreciation for the Lord. Really? I love that. It's such an elevating thought that I, we mentioned earlier, Paul, we were talking about San Francisco. I was talking about my oldest son, who's highly intelligent, so intelligent that I we should probably DNA test him. but. Uh, very deep in his theological mind, and he's 28 now. We were talking about iconography in the Eastern Orthodox Church. I was just t- teaching about this in my world history class. So this is, the part, this is the end of the last text he sent me. It's just a glimpse into the mind of our oldest. Uh, on the Holy Spirit by Basil of Caesarea, who's quoted by John of Damascus and the source of the phrase, and here's what I'm uh, using icons in worship. The honor given to the image passes to the prototype which wasn't being applied by basil to Christian icons in particular, just images in general. But I love that thought. The honor given to the image passes to the prototype. Uh, Ultimately classical music art is not about the art in and of itself. It's about what's behind it. And what's behind it is to your point that of all the people on the planet, we should be the one appreciating beauty
0: and creating it more than anybody else. Right. And oftentimes composers did, but many don't. Hmm. Um, There's a, there's a, I have a quotation by Augustine, and it's just so lovely. Let me just see if I can, I can find. I it. love the but Church he, Fathers. Yeah, well, you know, people <laughs> thought of stuff before us. Um, <laughs> yes, they they did. Come on yeah. now, I thought we yeah. were the the. Yeah, but he he talks the about um, how artists that art comes from the souls of beautiful artists and they're pointing to the beauty that's greater themselves Mm -hmm. and and he says something like and and they don't always even realize it boom that that so you know when we're talking about how do we make judgments right you know it it uh you know they don't even realize that it's coming from from a creator who made them but they're still doing yeah doing these beautiful things because it's coming from their souls and Why is it coming from their souls? Well, they're made in God's image. That's right. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody bears the mark. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about this in one of my classes. I'm like, okay, there's about 8 billion people on the planet. What do we all have in common? we're all people. Yeah. Okay. Keep Mm -hmm. going. And then somebody invariably said, we're all made in the image of God. Right. Okay. Even the unbeliever. Yes. The Muslim. Yes. The Buddhist. Yes. The Hindu. Yes. And back to my Lego box example. So everybody's pulling out of the same Lego box. So, so, and how sad is that actually from an evangelistic perspective in the world of classical music, that somebody could be making music that is um, legitimately beautiful and flows out of the beauty and the majesty of the creator,
0: but they just don't know it themselves. It's like you missed it by that much. Oh, it's, yeah, it's so sad. Yeah. And they'll sing the most beautiful words. Mm. You know, they'll sing, you know, the Brahms Requiem, the you know, hero and earth have we no dwelling place, uh, and they won't know. And they don't and get it, it. It's right. Yeah, I think I think that thought also helps us because in the arts, the professional arts, there are lots of people whose lives are, how should I say this? Well, they're 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 sinful. Yeah, let me put it this way. Yeah, but. But we can treat them with respect because they're in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And I think I, think it, uh, I often t- talk to my students about that, that, that you know, we don't we, we can treat everyone with respect. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
1: You know, and that's God. that that's that uh, compassion that you see in the Gospels and how right. Christ, you know, he's, he's, right. he looks out right. over Jerusalem. He knows he knows what they're going to do. Right, but right, he weeps because yeah. he sees they're like sheep without a shepherd. Right, I'm I'm looking out at the same group of people, and I'm like,
0: right. It's very easy to be dismissive, and yeah, it? to
1: heck with these people. You know, you get right. all angry, liberals, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's just not Christ. I mean, he's he's no. compassionate towards everyone, and and again, that that's a really powerful thought. And we're about to run out of time, but that's a really powerful thought. It's it's so sad that people that can make beautiful music, make beautiful art. And even things that would fall under Aquinas's three things, completeness, proportion, and splendor, uh, don't have the ability to give credit where credit is due. They don't make the final connection. Mm-hmm. It's like you're in the right zip code, but you're not in the right house. Right. Which is why one of the other reasons that our sons and daughters should go into the world of fine arts is to take the gospel with them. It's such a great conversation. I was geeking out the whole time, Paul. So thanks for your patience. <laughs> In your Appreciate indulgence. It. Uh, but it's great to have you on. Thank you for sharing what's well, so, so obviously a passion for you. And I'm so glad that BJU's is down there with a big fine arts program. It's just wonderful. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah,
0: my privilege. You know, hold pleasure. right
1: there. I'll pray with you when we uh, finish up here in just a second. Uh, won't be here tomorrow. I'll be out tomorrow. But back on Monday, this is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you guys again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, never four.